Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Cue the music. Every great song has its own kind of vibe. And let's get things started. Let the tournament begin. I'm Jared Hall from Entertainment Weekly, and here's what to watch on Monday, March 21st. We're counting down today's top three must-see picks from TV and movies. But first, your entertainment headlines. West Side Story star Rachel Zegler says she wasn't invited to the upcoming 94th Academy Awards. Zegler shared as much in the comments section of an Instagram post this weekend when a fan noted they couldn't wait to see her outfit at the Oscars, where the romance musical received seven nominations, including Best Picture and Best Director for Steven Spielberg. In a reply to a fan, Zegler wrote, quote, I have tried it all, but it doesn't seem to be happening. I will root for West Side Story from my couch and be proud of the work we so tirelessly did three years ago. I hope some last-minute miracle occurs and I can celebrate our film in person, but hey, that's how it goes sometimes. An industry source noted to EW that the studios behind nominated films determine ticket allotments for Best Picture nominees, adding that circumstances are different for nominees and presenters. Reps for Disney, the studio behind West Side Story, did not immediately respond to EW's request for comment. EW has also reached out to Zegler's rep and the Academy. Kanye West has been removed as a performer at the upcoming 64th annual Grammy Awards. His rep has confirmed to EW. The rapper, now known as Ye, was barred due to his, quote, concerning online behavior. Receiving the call before the weekend that he had unfortunately been removed from the lineup of performers at the ceremony set to be held at MGM Grand Garden Arena in Las Vegas on April 3rd. EW has reached out to CBS and the Recording Academy for comment. The Blast, which first reported the news, noted the decision was made partially because of concerns over possible interactions between West and the ceremony's host, Trevor Noah. West was briefly suspended from Instagram last week after he used a racial slur against Noah in a post regarding comments made on The Daily Show about West's behavior towards his ex-wife Kim Kardashian and her boyfriend Pete Davidson. Maury is about to be no Maury. EW has confirmed that Maury Povich's long-running daytime talk show will stop production this year after 30 seasons on the air and more than 3,600 episodes produced. Representatives for distributor NBC Universal confirm that new episodes will air through September. Reruns of Maury will continue to air in syndication after production on the show ends. And Hollywood's top producers have named the best films and TV shows of the year, boosting the Apple TV Plus drama Coda over presumed Oscars Best Picture frontrunner The Power of the Dog at a key point in this year's contentious awards race. With a week to go before the March 27th Oscar ceremony, the 2022 Producers Guild of America Awards gave Sean Hader's crowd-pleasing hit a vital boost in the hunt for Best Picture in the middle of the Academy's voting window, which closes tomorrow. 
Other film winners at the PGA Awards included Disney's animated feature Encanto and Questlove's Summer of Soul documentary, both of which are expected to repeat in their respective categories at next weekend's Oscars. On the TV side, HBO had a big night with Succession and Mayor of Easttown taking individual wins for drama series and limited series, while VH1's queer competition RuPaul's Drag Race earned its third consecutive win in the game and competition television category. You can check out that full list of winners, plus more on all of these stories, plus other news, reviews, interviews, and much more at EW.com. All right, we are dialing 911 for today's number three pick as Fox's first responder drama is finally back from hiatus with its first new episode in over three months. The mid-season premiere will see Athena, Bobby, and the 188 hurry to rescue a family whose pickup truck has been rigged with a bomb, which will explode if the vehicle slows to less than 55 miles an hour. Hmm, sounds a little reminiscent of a movie we once saw with Sandra Bullock. Anyway, that seems like enough to power a whole episode, but elsewhere this week, Buck makes an impulsive relationship decision. Hen is reluctant to accept her new partner in Chimney's absence, and Eddie has a rough transition into his new desk job. Here is a clip from the episode with Eddie clearing paper jams, manning the phones, and generally missing life in the field. Chicken titles. LAFD responded to the call at 2 p.m. and were able to quickly put out the small fire. No injuries or structural damage were reported. Good calls. Firefighter Eddie Diaz, public service officer, Metro Dispatch. Are you a real firefighter? Yes. I'm a real firefighter. Well, with Eddie out of the 118, the firehouse will be welcoming two new members, including Ariel Kebble as Lucy Donato, who works at rival firehouse 147, but joins together with the 118 for that high-speed rescue. Here is producer Kristen Riddle on the decision to bring some new blood onto the team. We ended the Christmas episode with Eddie announcing that he was leaving the 118, and that was a big move. And I'm sure it annoyed many people in the audience, but it's a big move and you need to honor the big move. And so it felt like Eddie's going to have a little story that he's got to do in these next few episodes. And I just felt like we needed somebody else at the 118 to bring back a little bit of fun that I think we were missing in the first half of the season. Because, you know, when all of your characters are going through varying degrees of trauma, it, it just felt like we wanted somebody to just kind of come in without baggage, without history and kind of inject a little bit of levity and fun and joy back into that firehouse. And you can see how that joy plays out tonight when 911 returns at 8 p.m. on Fox. Now let's travel back to the Gilded Age for our number two pick as the HBO series wraps up its first season tonight. In the finale, Marion is preparing to elope with Tom while Aurora and her Aunt Ada rush to stop her before it's too late. 
Meanwhile, the discovery of a shocking letter changes everything for Peggy, and with Gladys's debutante ball fast approaching, the clash between Bertha and Mrs. Astor will have consequences for all of New York City society, who will have to take sides in the social battle between old and new money. Here's a preview. We cannot hope to keep out the new people entirely. You mean you don't think that I can beat Mrs. Russell at my own game? I wish I knew the cards you think you have up your sleeve. I'm taking a chance, George. I know that. But whoever achieved great things without taking a chance? Is anything the matter? You tell me. I don't know what good can come of this. This can't be right. She's taken leave of her senses. I love you, Marion. Mrs. Astor is in the hall. I'm tired of being cut on my own doorstep. Let the tournament begin. Hey, that's the name of tonight's episode. Well, that aside, however things end up in the finale, there will be much more of this world to explore, as HBO has already renewed The Gilded Age for a second season. Here is creator Julian Fellows, who previously created Downton Abbey, discussing why he wanted to explore the time period and society of The Gilded Age. I mean, I got interested in The Gilded Age uh, uh, quite a long time before anyone was coming to make a TV show about it. I was just reading books about it. And I was rather intrigued by this society of obviously great opulence and tremendous consumerism and so on and so forth. But it was all faster moving than Europe. And it, and it had a kind of energy to it that was an upward curve energy. I mean, with Europe, I mean, you know, with Downton, to a certain extent, we were using the fact that things were coming into land for the European aristocracy. These were the last years when they would dominate the social scene, and that was about to be taken from them, really. Uh, whereas America, coming out of the Civil War, was just getting ready to dominate the world, which they did do for the following century. So I think that created a completely different dynamic, which appealed to me. I thought it was rather exciting. And I, I like the fact that Mrs. Astor was the one, I mean, I'm sure there were others who saw it too, but she realized that she couldn't keep the new people out. They were too strong, they were too rich, they were too everything. And she had to sort of forge a society out of these different elements. And that appealed to me, really. And hopefully the finale will appeal to you, too. You can watch it tonight at 9 on HBO or stream it on HBO Max. It's trivia time. The music for The Gilded Age was composed by which pair of brothers, marking only the second time they've collaborated on a project? Michael and Jeff Dana, Thomas and David Newman, or Harry and Rupert Gresson Williams? Stick around for the answer. Before we take a break, I am turning things over to EW's digital TV editor, Ashley Boucher, who'd like to tell you about a show she's been binging and enjoying lately. So, Ashley, what you watching? 
Hey everyone! So I just binged the first season of Starstruck on HBO Max ahead of the season two premiere this week. If you haven't seen it, it's a half hour rom-com series that follows Jesse, a New Zealand expat who's living in London. During a New Year's Eve party, she ends up hooking up with this guy named Tom, only to find out the next day that he's actually a famous movie star. The first season chronicles how they keep running into each other over the course of the year, and without being too spoilery, it ends with them right on the precipice of actually becoming a couple. If you love rom-coms like me, then this is definitely a series to check out. The episodes are nice and short. It's super bingeable. I watched the entire first season in one night. Jesse, who's played by the creator of the show, Rose Metafeo, is so lovable and so relatable. So if you love a good will-they-won't-they they romance story, catch up on season one before season two premieres Thursday, March 24th on HBO Max. Well, there you have it. Don't go anywhere, folks. Our number one pick is coming up. What to Watch will be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to EW's What to Watch. This week in entertainment history, the third season finale of Dallas, called A House Divided, in which oil baron J.R. Ewing was shot by an unknown assailant, first aired on CBS 42 years ago today on March 21st, 1980. The episode launched a media frenzy symbolized by the iconic phrase, Who Shot J.R.? and helped popularize the device of a season-ending cliffhanger on TV shows. The shooter's identity wasn't revealed until the next season's fourth episode, called Who Done It, which remains the second most-watched episode of television in American history, after the series finale of MASH. In 2011, EW's Ken Tucker ranked Who Shot JR as one of the most unforgettable TV cliffhangers ever, writing, quote, it was so wittily executed and came as such a surprise that a nation was transfixed. All right, now, I don't know if you're ready for our number one pick because it is about to be the biggest live music event in, well, forever. It's the series premiere of American Song Contest. The giant singing competition from NBC will showcase talent live from every state and territory in the U.S., with 56 musical artists competing. Inspired by the popular Eurovision Song Contest, solo artists, duos, DJs, and bands from each area will perform an original song in the hopes of making it to the finals and winning it all. Now, everything from country to rock and pop will be showcased, and viewers can vote for their home state or whoever gets them singing along. The contestants include a lot of up-and-coming talent, as well as a few established stars like Michael Bolton, who will be representing Connecticut. Here is a preview featuring Bolton. What's up, Connecticut? Michael Bolton! I was 16 when I signed with Epic Records. I was 34 when I had my first hit. It's been a long, long ride. <laughs> I've been around the world so many times, but all my life Connecticut has been bringing me back. Connecticut has supported musicians as long as I can remember. The song I'm performing 
this beautiful world. It's about kindness, something the world really needs. I love the state. I love that I raised my kids here. I love all the support through the years. The people bring me back. I really have a lot of powerful memories of my life in Connecticut. I'm Michael Bolton, and I'm representing the state of Connecticut. Gotta say, host Kelly Clarkson and Snoop Dogg have their work cut out for them with talent like this. And Clarkson spoke about why she feels this is the right time for a show like this one in the U.S. I'm a huge fan of the concept of Eurovision in the sense that I love how it, it began because it was to bring people back together after war. And so every territory had a representative and I think that's so cool. And I think honestly, it translates really well for the United States right now. You know, we can feel very divided. So it's really cool that every single territory and state will have a representative and everyone, it's almost like a, a sports event, you know, like with music, it's, it's amazing. And everybody has a, a team to kind of root for. Um, and I just think, I think it's an amazing thing too because it stands out because it's about the song and not necessarily just the artist and how much you love their voice or whatever. It's, it's really about the song and how much it can move you and how powerful a song can be. So which performer will you be voting for? Show off your state pride and catch some epic songwriting on the premiere of American Song Contest tonight at 8 o'clock on NBC. And lastly today, the answer to our trivia question. The music for The Gilded Age was composed by which pair of brothers, marking only the second time they've collaborated on a project? Michael and Jeff Dana, Thomas and David Newman, or Harry and Rupert Gregson Williams? Well, score one for you if you got this right. The answer is Harry and Rupert Gregson Williams. The British brothers are known for collectively scoring hundreds of movies and shows, including Shrek, Wonder Woman, and The Crown, but had never worked together until Hulu's Catch-22 series in 2019. Well, that is our show for today. We will have more news and must-see picks for you tomorrow, so be sure to follow or subscribe to What to Watch so you don't miss our daily recommendations, more of which can be found at EW.com. I'm senior editor Jared Hall. You can find us on Twitter at EW and at Jared Hall. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day. What to Watch. What to Watch is written by Tyler Aquilina and Callie Shep, edited and produced by Joshua Heller, hosted and produced by Jared Hall, and executive produced by Chanel Johnson.